From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Tuesday, November 1st. Back in the spring, local Holly Lammert put together a story for KZMU News about women in leadership. It's something she noticed about Moab. Women hold a lot of the top jobs here, from local business to nonprofits and even public office. Running and then later serving in public office as a woman comes with its own set of challenges. So in the spirit of election season, Lammert returns with another audio essay, this time asking women involved in local and state politics about their experiences. Kind of a big one, but like, what does it mean to you to be a woman? (laughs) Or do you want to start easier? Uh, No, that's okay. I don't think anyone's (laughs) ever asked me. We're sort of invisible. No, we've been invisible for decades. And um, what it means to be a woman, I think, is at this point in time is to step up and uh, make your voices heard and quit working behind the scenes and take leadership, take ownership of what's going on in your community, in your state, in your country. We are approaching the voting season. Let's take an opportunity to hear from a few noteworthy women who have stepped up to make their voices heard in the political arena. As said best by Carrie Dabney from the League of Women Voters. Real quick story, League of Women Voters was formed 102 years ago in response to women finally getting the right to vote, um, guaranteed in a constitutional amendment, the 19th Amendment. It only passed by one or two votes. I mean, we almost did not get the right to vote. Um, And if you do not have the right to vote, you do not have a voice. And one of the reasons it was so controversial um, is that this country, with its British heritage, um, inherited a lot of the laws and a lot of the traditions. And one of them was something called coverture, which basically is the belief that women have no rights. We've come a long way now, with many women occupying positions in politics. Moab is special in this way of having many female leaders. Mayor Joette Langanese reflects on the community that has produced a plethora of female leaders. I'm like, this is like the coolest thing. I mean, we're all women, you know, and we, women tend to, I mean, in my opinion, make really good leaders because we're a little bit more compassionate, we're a little bit more into relationship building and maintaining those relationships and more compromise, we're more nurturing. I mean, you know, women should be running the world. On the ballot this fall for Utah State House of Representatives, District Number 69, is one pioneering woman, Davina Smith, who focuses on the relationships that helped shape her path into politics. Davina highlights the role of support and friends while on this journey. I remember Representative Hollins. I worked at Forest Street Clinic, and she worked for the VOA. And um, I remember she called me, and I went across to her building, and... She said, um, I think I'm going to run for, for a representative. I was like, oh my gosh, what? You know, and at the time I was like, representative what? It's like House Representative of my district. You know, I had no idea what that was, but I was like, yes, do it, you know. And she did. And she's been representative for a number of years. Um, representative Romero, um, both our, our sons played football together. And I remember when she was, she was running as well. So I look to the women of color, you know, they have a unique background such as mine. Um, but even further for me, I look at also our Native women. Mm-hmm. We have Secretary Holland, you know, she first was a, a representative for the state of, of New Mexico. Now she's the Secretary of Interior. And then other Native women such as um, Sharice Davis, she's a representative for Kansas. Uh, Ruth Buffalo is also the um, 
uh, House of Representative for her area in Minnesota. So I look at those Native women, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, and so I'm like, okay. Next, Elizabeth Tubbs, a former county councilwoman and currently Grand County EMS board chair, shares candidly the challenges of being a woman in politics in Utah. What it's like to be a woman in Utah, oh my God. It's, it's wild. I mean, it's just, you know, people say and do things and have expectations. You're always supposed to be nice. You're always supposed to smile and you know, being assertive is the equivalent of being bitchy. I mean, that's just, you know, it, it, it's true. It is not just true in Utah, but there's this undercurrent in Utah. I don't care what any of them say. The undercurrent is there. Stay in your place. The world right now and our country right now frightens the hell out of me because you go from you know, undoing Roe v. Wade, and then you go to God only knows what's next. Earlier this summer, the Supreme Court overturned the landmark legislation that made access to an abortion legal. Across the country and in our own town, women and allies marched in protest, highlighting the power in numbers and demonstrating that collectively, voices can be elevated to make an impact. So despite conflict within politics, Liz found a way to stand by her values on the county council. There were, we had several things during my term that were extremely controversial. We, we had four, four and a half good old boys. And, and I don't dislike any of them. I mean, I've known, I've known most of them. I don't dislike people for their political views. The council was a great experience for me as a woman because I had to learn, I had to just say, okay, you can sit by and let these people make decisions that you totally disagree with, or you speak up. I decided early on, okay, if you wanna feel okay about what you're doing, and if you wanna be able to look yourself in the face, then you just have to go for it. And I did. On that parting note, Carrie from the League of Women Voters shares a word for the wise. The world is run by people who show up. And it just hit me like an epiphany. All you, all you have to do is show up. And I have to tell you that the answer is yes. Just keep showing up. For KZMU News, I'm Holly Lamert. Lawmakers in Colorado have signed on to a petition to support overturning a decision authorizing the construction of the Uenta Basin Railway. As Caroline Yanis with our partners at Aspen Public Radio reports, the proposed project would transport crude oil from the Uenta Basin across over 100 miles of railroad, some of which pass along the I-70 and Colorado River corridor. Eagle County filed a petition in February asking the Federal Surface Transportation Board to reconsider its December 2021 decision, allowing the railroad to go ahead. The amicus brief filed by Glenwood Springs and Pitkin County, along with eight other local governments across Colorado, claims the STB did not give enough consideration to the environmental impacts of the railway. Glenwood Springs city officials are concerned that the number of crude oil cars traveling on the Union Pacific Railway line would increase dramatically. Mayor Jonathan Godis also said in a statement that the STB's assessment that wildfire risk in the downline area was not significant, quote, ignores real-world evidence. 
The brief also claims the decision did not adequately address the risk of derailment, risks that come both from the size of oil tanker cars and the mountain terrain the cars would pass through, like Glenwood Canyon. Caroline Yanez, Aspen Public Radio News. The Interior Department is looking to cut back the amount of water released from the nation's largest reservoirs starting next year. As KUNC's Alex Hager reports, the move comes in response to steadily shrinking supplies in the Colorado River Basin. The feds say water forecasts look dire, and they need to make changes to protect the people, ecosystems, and infrastructure along the Colorado River. They're seeking to restrict the amount of water released from Lakes Powell and Mead, the river's largest reservoirs. This would tweak existing river guidelines drawn up in 2007. Those were put in place to respond to drying conditions, but the supply-demand imbalance has kept getting worse in the southwest, making changes necessary along the way. Federal officials will need to do additional environmental review before making the changes. The Bureau of Reclamation Commissioner said changes will stabilize the reservoirs in the face of climate change. I'm Alex Hager. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, November 1st. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.